Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada uh, is aboard. Hello, Friedge. How's Denver today? It's beautiful. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? Uh, I am doing How's well. How's Toronto? A uh, little windy. Uh, we have a wind warning in, in my area, but otherwise quite lovely. Not a uh, sky, not a cloud in the sky. Kind of has a Ferris Bueller's Day Off vibe about it. So outside of the wind, it's lovely here. Is there any afternoon baseball for you to go to then? Swing bada, swing bada, swing bada. Let's go to the Cubs game as Ferris Bueller's. You know what? Just as an aside on Ferris, you know the one thing I could, I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm sure you did as Great well. Movie. I don't know one, I, okay. I don't know one high school kid who would play hooky from school, who would skip school to go to the art gallery. Do you? No. I, I have to say that's probably the most... I mean, there's a lot of unrealistic things that happened in that movie, but uh, that was probably number one. Yeah, like the ball game, the arcade, all that stuff. Like, yeah, that all checks out. Maybe have a goof on someone at a fancy restaurant, but going to see the Monets? Really? That one always left me as a head-scratcher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but I think too much Actually, Jeff, apropos things. of nothing, apropos of nothing, yeah. that was, I remember, uh, I remember not long after seeing that movie, we parked our car in a parking lot with an attendant, and I said, does that really happen? Do you guys test drive <laughs> the really good cars? And he looked at our car and he said, put it this way, we won't be test driving yours. <laughs> I thought he was going to say something along the lines of, what country do you think this is? Which is one of the <laughs> great movies. basically admitted it, yeah. And always a nice, real nice touch. And I love the fact that uh, that Cameron wore the uh, the Gordie Howe jersey throughout the whole thing. I always liked that very nice touch, nice little hockey touch in Ferris Bueller's Day Off as you're trying to look for hockey everywhere. Um, uh, Vegas. Jeff, my, before we begin, yes. before we begin, uh, yes. I, since we're on in Vancouver, I, I wanted to recognize uh, a couple of people. Okay. Uh, Corey Hirsch. Uh, Corey tweeted out yesterday he won't be back uh, with the Canucks. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I love Corey. Uh, I, I've loved chatting yes. with him over the years. And, uh, you know, he sounds like he's got some incredible things lined up. And uh, I, I wish Corey uh, all the best. Uh, and Chris Brumwell. And Chris Brumwell and Ian McIntyre was the one who tweeted it out today. You know, he'd been there a long time. Yeah. And there are certain people uh, that when they see my name come up on their phone, they're like, uh-oh, what is this problem gonna, he's going to create for me today? And Chris Brumwell, unfortunately, had to be one of those people. Uh, but, you know, he always handled it uh, incredibly well. Being a team media relations person is not an easy job. Sometimes you try to help, and sometimes you have to uh, obscure. Um, sometimes you have to faint and beak because you're not ready to talk about something or you can't talk about something. It's a challenging yeah. line to walk. I thought Chris did it as well as anybody. And this year I worked with him on the, the telethon, which was very successful because of the great generosity of the Canucks and their fans. And uh, I was really sorry to hear that, that, that uh, Chris was leaving. Um, I think that's a huge loss for the Canucks organization. I really do. Uh, a wonderful person, um, Chris is. Uh, I have my fingers crossed for, and listen, it, it sounds like, listen, Corey has uh, amazing things on the horizon for him. He's a, he's an outstanding individual who has already done a lot of help for a lot of people, a lot of good things for a lot of people, um, and he'll continue to do so. And I think we all wish, wish Chris the best. He was someone that you kind of, sometimes it feels like you're working with and sometimes it feels like you're working against. Um, and the best ones are the best at navigating that delicate line at times. So I think we all wish uh, the best for Chris. 
Montreal and Vegas. Uh, Shea Weber's contract in exchange for Yevgeny Dadonov. Your initial reaction was what? Well, my initial reaction was Montreal did... You know, Montreal couldn't do this. We talked about this. If Price can't play, you're looking at $18 million on LTIR. I mean, you just you can't deal with that. It's, it's too hard. It prevents you from being able to do anything. I think the yeah. fascinating thing about it is that Montreal was able to move that contract without sacrificing a major asset uh, to do it. And that's a huge W for the Canadians, that they don't need to do that. And you know, they didn't need to do that. Um, you know, Weber is not going to play, and we'll get to the Vegas situation in a sec. But yeah. now, at least, you know, even if Price has to go on LTIR, and I think everybody wants him to play, and clearly he wants to play, uh, but... You know, LTIR, it's not good, but at least the situation is a little less bleak. And in Dodonov, you know, they've got a guy who can play. And yeah. uh, I, I think it's a situation where it'll be interesting to see if they keep him or they hold on to him. Uh, if they keep him or they trade him, I think that'll probably depend on how they play next year. Um, um, but I think it's a big W, Jeff, for Montreal to be able to move Weber's contract without having to sacrifice a prime asset. Just so all of our listeners are on the same page, too, um, when you're in LTIR, you're not accruing cap space, and that limits your yeah. general manager's flexibility specifically around trade deadline time uh, in order to, to make moves to help your term for both the, help your team rather for both the short term and the long term. I, I want to get back to what this means for Montreal and what we expect next, because Ken Hughes, you know, pretty much indicating. You know, we uh, we hope to have more news uh, similar. We have to hope to have more news on, let me get the exact quote here, something along the lines of, we expect to have more news in terms of changes in Montreal. So I want to get to that in a couple of seconds. But what does this mean from Vegas's point of view? You're, you're Kelly McCrimmon. Why are you pulling the trigger on this one? Well, I think there's, uh, for number one, you know, they, they save cash. Um, you know, Weber's contract is insured. And so they'll have to pay, I think, 20% of it before the insurance kicks in. And even though Weber's cap hit is, is, is over $7 million, the actual cash the next uh, four years is $6 million. So mm-hmm. it saves them some cash. And basically, you know, the way, the best way to explain it is if you trade a healthy player for an injured player, on some level, what you're doing is you're creating the cap room for the healthy player. So Dodonov's cap hit is, you know, $5 million. Uh, yeah. They've basically just freed up $5 million of cap space. Now, there's still going to be an LTIR, which, as you said, is never a good place to be long-term, but mm-hmm. it does create some flexibility for them right now. And I think after what happened last year with the Donov, there was just I, – I think everybody just felt it couldn't continue, that, you know, that uh, it had to – everybody here had to move on. You know, one, one of the interesting things here, it, it seemed pretty – apparent that when Dodonov put together his no trade, it was mainly when you look at the teams that he didn't want to get traded to, it was mainly for tax purposes, which is why this was kind of a head scratcher for me. I mean, there's over a 50% provincial tax here uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. Is there something that I'm missing here, Fridge? Well, one of the questions I wanted to, I was asking was, did Dodonov waive his no trade <clears throat> for this? Was Montreal on his list? And I got a couple of no comments yesterday. So, you know, we'll see uh, where it all goes. But I, I think, you know what, I, I think I think with a bit more hindsight into what happened back then, 
I don't know. I mean, was it potentially about taxes? Yes. I, I think that played a role. But I think it was also about, like, I had a long conversation with one of the Golden Knights about that whole situation. And and they just said that, um, you know, Dodonov felt pressured. Um, once they realized they couldn't do it without his permission, you know, he felt the team put a ton of pressure on Dodonov. And, you know, he said people were telling him, it, that's your right. If, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go. And you can stand up for yourself. And I think he was told if he did that, his teammates would support him because they mm -hmm. all understand if you sign a contract that says, yeah. hey, you have the right to block a trade, players understand if you say, no, I'm not blocking, I'm not taking the trade. So I think in that situation, it was such a maelstrom and it was so fast that he didn't really have time to process it. And I think... Like, like I said, there's there's no clarity at this point in time, as far as I know, about whether or not he waived his no trade to go to Montreal. But one thing I do think, Jeff, is that that was so fast. As, one, as this guy said to me, it wasn't fair to him. He couldn't really sit down and think, am I going to accept this? I'm betting mm -hmm. that in this particular situation, with more time, if he had to do it, there was more time to put some thoughts together on it. But I, okay. I just think I just think that Vegas wanted to move on from him, and he real and I think at the end of the day, he he probably realized the whole situation was kind of untenable. Circling back to Montreal, we've talked a lot about other deals that could happen. We all wonder about Jeff Petrie. Um, I've wondered about Jeff Petrie and Dallas, perhaps as a John Klingberg uh, replacement, as it looks like he's going to move off. Uh, to another team, uh, Josh Anderson. People wonder about him in Montreal. At times, people have wondered about Brendan Gallagher, um, have wondered about Jonathan Drouin. Uh, we know that Kent Hughes is in the cap space business right now. I think one of, one of the questions we're all wondering about is, how deep is he going to get into the cap space business this summer? Well, I, I, I think that you know, I think that one of the things about the Canadians is, you know, they have—they're not afraid to try to do things. There's, there's no question about that. Um, but I, I just think they're trying to get better. Like, I, I think the the whole idea of them getting to Donov was like he's a player, and he yep. showed last year after that happened. Like he carried Vegas in the few games after that happened. Like that's a player, and. I just think that at the end of the day, Hughes wants to make his team a little bit better after last year. And I, I would bet also it's important to them. You know, Caulfield picked it up at the end of last season. But, you know, when you have good young offensive players, you want to surround them with good offensive players that they can play with. And mm -hmm. so I look at this move as not, as not only about cap gymnastics, Jeff, but I think they want to make their team better. And I think that's what this is about, too. Um, Josh Anderson, Jeff Petrie. I mean, Petrie does seem like the next one. Listen, uh, Kent Hughes has said like he's not going to make a deal until the right deal is there for him. But that does seem as if that's the next domino here, right? I, I, I would think so. I, I would think Petrie, um, you know, he's, he's got some business to do contract-wise, like Romanov. Um, but I, I would think Petrie would be very high on that list. And, you know, Anderson, I'm very curious to see where that one goes. You know, he's signed for a while. 
Yeah. And, you know, teams, they sign that guy for a reason, Jeff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of those guys when you trade, you're like, you know what? We could really use a Josh Anderson. So I would be very curious to see what kind of deal it would take to get him out of there. I, as, as wild as this may sound, I wonder, I've always wondered about Columbus trying to get him back. As, as I look at that team and what that team needs, I've always wondered about Columbus saying, I wonder if we can get Josh Anderson back. That make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you've had plenty of worse ideas than this one. Um, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't heard about Columbus so much specifically. I mean, there's there's no question they're being asked about them, and that drives up the price. But again, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you brought them there for a reason. Are you going to be looking for them if you trade them? Uh, John Tortorella, that's one of the other big uh, headline yes. stories officially of the day, named the, uh, the 23rd uh, head coach in the history of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, I always judge Flyers coach by the impossible standard in Philadelphia, and that is Fred Shiro. But I'll look at Fred Shiro and John Tortorella and see one similarity. You know, Fred, Sh- uh, Fred Shiro was kind of considered in his era, considered was, you know, Schultz and Dog and Seleski and all these guys, considered kind of a goon coach, although they goon their way to the Stanley Cup. But when you really peel the onion, you realize, you know, there's a lot of progressive techniques here. A lot of it was learned from Soviet hockey, which Shiro was a big fan of and proponent of. And there's some really skilled players there as well. And I don't think that history has the right snapshot of Fred Shiro. And we look at John Tortorella and, you know, the knee-jerk reaction is old-school coach, you know, grumpy guy, doesn't like the Trevor Zegras's of the world. You know, he's a dinosaur from a generation previous. But when you really peel back the onion, much like with Fred Shiro, you see something really progressive underneath there. How do you see John Tortorella and Philadelphia? Well, he's a flyer, right? Like, if, if you were ever say, like, here's a guy who's going to coach the Philadelphia Flyers, wouldn't John Tortorella be really high on that list? Like loud, when it, when it brash, in your face, yeah. Like that's Philly, that's Philly. Like that, that, that to me is, and, and Philly has lost their identity, and they're trying to get back to it. And you know, when Tortor, when it became very clear that Tortorella was a contender for this job, if not the favorite, um, you know, I, and I think Trotz was the number one choice, and once that didn't work out, it was going to be Tortorella. Um, you know, I, I think that's a perfect fit for what they want to be and what they want their identity to be. And, you know, the thing about Tortorella is, like, so yesterday, Brandon Dubinsky, uh, yeah. you know, gives out a criticism. And, you know, that's fair. He's entitled to his opinion. And then what happened today? Who comes out and defends him or praises it? Cam Atkinson. And Cam Atkinson was a big driving force behind this. Don't kid yourself. He was one of the... When it became clear that, that he was part of the process, Tortorella, Atkinson was one of the guys pushing. And the negative always gets more say than the positive because that's just the way we are. But just because one person, um, you know, one person doesn't like him and you see the picture that's painted publicly doesn't mean that other people don't love him. Like I know one player who's or one former player of his who texted him yesterday to wish him congratulations as it was becoming clear. And Tortorella got back to him within like four minutes. 
even though I think he was negotiating his deal or around Philadelphia at the time. You know, there's a lot of players who speak very highly of Tortorella. There's a lot of players, there's a few players or a lot of players, I don't know, who don't. But, you know, that's life. Like, Jeff, like, believe it or not, like, if you were to ask everybody about us, there might actually be people who don't like us. You know, that's like No, 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 just, just you, just you. No, 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 just you, just you, just you. No, 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 no. You know, you know I, I think this, we talked about this yesterday. Um, Philadelphia cannot afford a bad start next year. They can't. Mm -hmm. And the, he's going to show up. It, it, this team's going to be in shape, and they're going to be ready to go. What I'm really curious about here is the roster. I'm very, very curious to see where Philadelphia is going. I think I think there will be an attempt. Like yesterday, we saw Weber's contract. This is not the same, but I yeah. wonder about Van Riemsdyk. You know, I, I, I could see them trying to move him to create cap space. I, I think that's going on. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I did get a call from someone last night, Jeff, who said the, the fact that Montreal was able to move Weber without giving up the asset it's going to slow down this market a bit because now some GMs are going to be like, oh boy, if I if I trade X player and I have to give up a first or a second rounder to do that, I'm going to get clobbered because Montreal didn't have to do that. So they did point out that, you know, these kinds of moves to clear cap room, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them because they're all going to get compared to this one. Although, mm -hmm. although LTIR is a bit of a different animal. Uh, big time. Uh, a couple of minutes left here with you. Uh, we'll look forward, of course, to game two tomorrow between Colorado and Tampa. In the meantime, um, some pretty big news coming out of Nashville. And, uh, you know, the former governor of Tennessee in negotiations uh, to buy the team. And whenever you hear things like that, you wonder about the future or you wonder about the future direction of the team. You wonder about the team president. You wonder about the general manager, etc. Uh, I want to get to a quick conversation here about Philip Forsberg, but... The news of a potential sale for the Nashville Predators. How do you greet that one, Fridge? Well, I think a lot of us were, were surprised. Um, it was kept pretty quiet. Um, you know, Bettman uh, told the Board of Governors yesterday that it was going to happen, and then it got out. Um, he was very careful about the name, but that got out too. Um, you know, the Haslam family, uh, his brother, Bill Haslam, was buying the team. His brother owns the Cleveland Browns. Um, which is interesting. They're going through a lot right now, obviously. So I think a lot of people are wondering about that. Uh, but, you know, I sent some notes there to people I know, and I just said, you know, hope you're okay. What does this mean? And this morning they were getting back to me, and they seemed positive about it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that they really like the – I think people really like working for the Predators – but any time you can go from 19 owners to one, it's probably a structure that the league would be the happier with. Yes. Um, there's no question that Haslam has the money. Um, but, you know, the initial response I was getting was that it seemed to be positive internally. Uh, we will see. As for Forsberg, uh, I heard status quo. Um, but I generally tend to think that agents don't frown on sales. Put it that way. <laughs> It's a, good, it's a good way of putting it. Uh, really quickly, back to the sale. Uh, do we have any idea about a price tag? I mean, I, I think we're all wondering. We're all wondering what you know what the decision in Ottawa is is going to be with the with the two daughters in control. Um, and we all know how you know one the franchise value of one sale affects you know subsequent sales. No idea about what the the price tag for Nashville could be. Not yet, not yet. But you know, look, like Pittsburgh just sold for nine hundred, right? 
Yep. I, I think Pittsburgh would be ranked, according to Forbes, as a more valuable franchise than Nashville. But that doesn't mean you let those numbers drop. What are commissioners there for? To, to Once you get to a number, you keep that number there. Yeah. And as the, the one thing that I was told uh, a long time ago, and I never forgot, Gary Bettman's number one job is franchise value. Never lose yes, sight of that. Yes. And just, just before, uh, okay. we wrap, before, we, before we wrap up, yes. there was uh, some people told me they were hearing some rumblings this morning about uh, Trotz to Florida. I, I don't believe that's true. No Barry Trotz to Florida. So that one still, the, 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 Florida, so. the, the Florida ticket still remains open. And we still have yeah, more questions fl- and answers about I, that. I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to end up doing there. Um, mm-hmm. I, but and I do think, like I said, I do think they're talking to coaching candidates. Uh, I do. Um, but I don't. It's like someone said this morning. Did you hear a rumor about Trots in Florida? I, I don't think. I don't think that's the case. Excellent. Uh, all right, we'll let you get back to your uh, to your your morning stroll. Are you on out for a walk right now? No, you know what? We're the practice starts in half an hour, so we're just going to go over to the uh, rink. I was just sitting outside the uh, hotel waiting to uh, for the rest of the stragglers to come along for our journey over. Who's always the last one? Usually it's me, but because yep. I had to do this, I was early. <laughs> so if it wasn't See, for the Jeff, uh, the uh, Wow, I'm, I, I feel so flattered. Yeah, I actually have you uh, punctual for a change. Well, all right, enjoy uh, enjoy the skate today. We'll uh, be curious to see what happens tomorrow night, game two. We'll do a podcast right after. Thanks, bud. All right, Jeff, take care, man. Be well. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada on his way to practice uh, in Denver right now at Ball Arena. Uh, tomorrow it is game two. It the um, Colorado Avalanche up one nothing in the series, facing off against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But you already knew that. Uh, joining me next, he is the uh, newly minted head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. He is Bruce Cassidy. Uh, we'll talk to him about his whirlwind two weeks, uh, his thoughts on his new team, uh, and the future of the Vegas Golden Knights, of course, after the trade yesterday that saw Yevgeny Dodonov leave to go to Montreal in exchange for Shea Weber's contract. Always lots to talk about around the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Gord Selleck, an hour or two. Trevor Georgie, GM and president of the St. John Sea Dogs. But Bruce Cassidy is next as the Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet radio network.